Hi there, I'm Miguel Neps, the editor-in-chief of Skip Meetings, and in this episode of the Skip Meetings podcast, I get to speak with Kolya Dams, the president and CEO of Fuck Dams Worldwide, a global live marketing agency started by his father in 1971. Kolya is passionate about driving innovation in communications and discovering potential in new technologies. Since joining the company in 1997, Vogdams has successfully branched out internationally with currently 300 employees at 19 different offices in 12 countries. In our conversation, we talk about things like how the industry has shifted since the pandemic and the current capacity challenges. We talk about why Collier favors agile and direct collaborative approaches with clients over a traditional pitching approach. We talk about how sustainability and technology innovation go hand in hand. And we talk about why human nature and a campfire gene means that we will always favor in-person gatherings. We talk about how social media and content saturation makes live events even more desirable today. And we talk about the technological evolution and emphasizing the role of AI in modern event management. Finally, we talk about Collier's vision for truly hybrid events featuring augmented reality technology. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation and don't forget to check out the other episodes of the Skip Meetings podcast. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Skiff Meetings podcast. Today, I am delighted to have with me the CEO of Vokdams, Kolya Dams. Kolya, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Kolya, we, we've known each other for a few years, uh, but like with every guest, I'd really love to start by your introduction. Tell us a little bit about your world, how you started in events. Uh, and I think you have a pretty unique uh, journey, so I'd love to hear it from your perspective. Yeah, I was basically born into this industry because my father started the agency for events at a time where there was no um, real name for events or events management. So um, I was basically brought up in an events agency. So I spent my entire childhood um, joining my father to attend events, trade shows and stuff. So it was basically came naturally that after going to university, I started out um, joining the agency. That was 27 years ago. So your father, if I'm not mistaken, came from a photography background and the agency kind of grew out of that. And if could you take us through kind of the evolution of the agency, also kind of what it looked like when you came in and, and what it looks like today? Absolutely. My father, like you said, came from photography and he started out doing um, multi-vision shows together with um, Kodak from the US. He started um, a technology um, soft edging 
um, um, slides, codex slides into extremely large pictures. Because at this time in the 70s, if you want to put something on a big screen, you could only do 35 millimeters film. And producing film was extensively expensive and took lots of time. So therefore, um, this was a solution to basically combine lots of slides to one enormous image. And this is what my father started doing. And this is why I spend lots of time cleaning little slides and putting them in codec carousels at this time. And then after we produced the content a lot of times, then it started out that we were being asked, could you take care of the rest as well? Like the hotel, the venues, the transport and getting the guests there and everything. And this is how yeah, this um, industry um, came alive. And this is also, so the 70s, it was um, mainly trade shows. We were also the first company to introduce VCR videos um, into events, which sounds totally weird today that you um, would show people just videotapes on little monitors and building video walls with these monitors. So this is basically where we started out with. And That's fascinating because we look at projection mapping and technologies like that today, and, and it seems so natural to have these arrays of projectors and do all these things. But to think about how how much of a manual process this was and how detailed you had to be to do this 40 years ago, it's it's really impressive. Absolutely. And the entire industry, so it started out with, we started working in the corporate sector, mainly for pharmaceutical industries or insurances, banks that had to gather lots of internal people driving sales or getting them on the point for new products. And then um, in the late 80s, it started out with really big productions in the corporate world, the first big car launches and business became more and more internationally. So we started opening our first office in the US in the 90s and then um, went to China in 2000, I don't even recall, um, but very early in the game. And this um, has been extremely helpful for us so that we are um, catering our clients worldwide. So what what is a what is a typical Vokdam's client look like? I believe there's some automotive, there's maybe some technology. So are they big German companies that you tend to work with? We work for big multinational companies, um, some of them headquartered here in Germany, some of them headquartered somewhere else in the world. Um, the normal projects, clients approach us for turnkey solutions for bringing the entire event live. But sometimes clients also approach us just for single services like guest management or creative services or hybrid services at certain parts. But um, usually the clients comes with a um, communication challenge and ask us if we can be of help bringing this up on a stage somewhere in the world. Love it. Um, so when you speak to people that don't know the industry. So let's say childhood friends or I don't know, friends of family, etc. How do you explain what you do? 
<laughs> it is funny that you ask because when I was a kid, um, I was always trying to explain in school that my father is doing direct communication to define target groups because there was no name for it at this time. But now it's pretty easy. Um, I'm telling everyone or my kids tell um, at school that their dad um, and their mom is an event manager. And then everyone gets a picture. Usually the picture is a bit more into the festival parties or concerts part. But um, then we'll track this back to the corporate world. Not bad though, right? I mean, it's a, it's a little misleading, but it's still better than, than kind of explaining everything from scratch. So when you when you kind of uh, put a Vokdams event against a competitor event, let's say, or someone else doing an event, what's what's the magic? What's what what makes a Vokdams event different in your mind? Uh, this is a good question. Of course, I don't get to see too many competitors' events, so I couldn't judge. But how we approach events is really to asking us um, and the client um, some basic questions to start with. Like the basic question we start out with is, what are your guests supposed to be doing or doing differently after they attended the event? And this usually starts a conversation about what is the ultimate goal of um, creating this event. And then we usually um, go in with a follow-up question. So why don't your guests do this right now without the event? To make sure what kind of obstacles are there and to openly discuss, is the event really able to solve the challenge the client has? Interesting. So you really try to focus on the leverage that the event has to kind of make that change. And and do you use um, like any specific methodology or any systems in-house or do you use other methodologies to kind of get there? We created our own methodology on ROI and this really helps on the way to data-driven event management. But we do believe it's extremely simple if you start with these two leading questions. So why do you invite people to um, um, join the event? So what is the core reason behind it? And that gets lots of clients thinking. And then let's see, um, how could this be achieved differently? Just an example I just ran into um, um, the other week. We had a client approach us and he was looking forward to bring um, all his um, salespeople um, from all over the world together to their um, anniversary, their 100 years anniversary to London. And um, now from our question was, um, so what, what is the real goal? So what do you like these independent sales agents to do differently afterwards? And the client thought a bit about it and said, I want them to take our product and go out there and feature our product more than the competitors' products that lots of these independent sales agents also have in their portfolio. And um, so we ticked off this box and then went right into it, um, asking a continuous question. So why aren't they doing it right now? And then the meeting kind of stalled and um, the client said, um, said, we don't really know. 
I said, so then we love to do this um, big event, a couple hundred people coming to London, but let's look into this first. And we do have a sister company um, that is just focusing on um, consulting and say, okay, why don't we send them in and um, interview um, a group of your um, independent sales agents and find out what's happening. So the client agreed to it. And after three months, we found out they do not take their, um, they do not um, sell their products of our client before other products or feature some of the competitors' products first because the competitors provide um, um, sales collaterals in their local languages. So now our client only had English and um, Chinese as uh, for the sales collaterals, but not um, um, other local languages like Thai, Vietnamese, Korean, and um, um, Spanish and other languages. And then um, we told the client, okay, so now we found one of the reasons why, and this is not, the event is not going to solve this. So why don't you invest, take an AI um, translation and translate all your collaterals in the local languages and the CEO just um, 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 sent me a letter and thanking me that even though we were planning um, this um, anniversary event, which we ended up doing in a different scale, but we solved their sales issue that they had in a totally different perspective before going into the event. Fascinating example. I think that that yeah brings out that power of events, but also the power of asking why and determining the objectives before you start to plan an events. And and just out of curiosity, at the events, you said it ran kind of differently, but at the events, did you have translation and sort of localization because of these findings that you that you were able to get? Absolutely. So what we did is um, we were approaching everyone in their local languages and we had um, AI translation for everyone on site into, I think, 27 different languages. Fascinating. So wanted to ask about, you know, this kind of client relationship. Obviously, what we hear is that some lead times are quite short at the moment. Uh, budgets are under a lot of pressure. Um, and so I'm sure negotiations with clients, I don't know if you can share if they're different or similar than they were kind of pre uh, the pandemic. And, and I wanted to ask you this question, which is, when do you say no to clients? What is it that makes you say, I'm sorry, but we can't do an event? Or are there any kind of situations where you where you have to say something like that? Yes, we um, run into these situations quite often as of the moment right now. We do get lots of RFPs and we only have limited capacity. So right now we usually don't pitch. So clients pick and choose their agency, maybe do a quick beauty contest and then go with the agency of choice. And like you mentioned, the short lead up times lead to situations. We just had a call um, for a client who wants to bring together three and a half thousand people before Christmas. And I just don't have the capacity to do that. And even if I would have the capacity going into finding venues still available um, would be a nightmare. And then we tell the client that is not possible. So we cannot do this. And 
um, a lot of clients also approach us sometimes and say, okay, we do have to do a bidding process for this project. And then we say, okay, um, because you are a valued client, we, um, I would get the capacity for the project, but I cannot spend capacity right now that I don't have on pitching processes. And then a lot of times the client said, okay, then we can't work together. But then they come back two weeks later after they find out that this is the situation in the market and that they won't find someone. And then they award the project as a single sourcing. So we do see this quite often happening right now. And this is all a relatively new occurrence? Is it a, sort of a compressed market? You're very kind of busy and kind of a, a post-pandemic kind of marketplace? Yeah, I believe we are still in the post-pandemic market. So the market, um, there are studies that show that 75% of all agencies are gone over the pandemic. Then after the pandemic, there is a drive for live events. So people want to do more live events. While the single client will do less events than they did pre-COVID, but they're spending more budget on the events they're doing, and that is um, hitting a smaller agency market, and that just um, um, comes to the situation where there are lots more RFPs out there than um, we can take on capacity-wise. Okay. I, I sort of a good problem to have not a great problem to have but obviously if you could pick and choose your clients that's always a good place to be so i was at imex america a month ago let's say now um and everything i heard from exhibitors on the show floor was incredibly positive you know think hotels were being booked up destinations were looking really good for the next few years and i you know it's exciting the energy around it it's great but i also see you know, kind of uncertainty in the markets. I see corporates tightening their budgets. You just told me, you know, there's this kind of, you know, less agencies in the market. And I'm kind of thinking, is there, is this going to plateau? What's, what, where do you see the next kind of year or the next kind of two year, two or three years? Because I feel like this can't keep growing forever, right? People can't keep booking events, you know, certainly for the next few years forever. Do you see there being sort of a, a downturn eventually, or how do you see this playing out? I believe what's um, going to happen, there will be more players in the market. So after um, more players in the market, of course, will um, relax the market a bit. But I believe that after the post-pandemic run for live events, we are about to have the next run into live events around the corner. And this is due to AI, because AI helps me to produce content almost effortless and budgetless. And I do need this because um, the newest figures say that I'm spending an average of 0.4 seconds on a video on TikTok. So these 0.4 seconds, you can imagine how many videos you go through content-wise on TikTok. So now the former social media becomes entertainment. So people usually do not produce their own content. They're just consuming. Now we have all this bunch of AI stuff. We have um, social media becoming entertainment. And this will create live events in the future to be 
that what social media used to be about. So getting people together and meeting. And therefore, we believe, because it's the only true um, means of communication, the only authentic means of communication is live, that we are hitting another run into live events while we're going more digital at the same time. And so I have an extremely positive outlook for the future. Very interesting. So if, if I can summarize what you're saying, the kind of extra focus on um, social media and that sort of entertainment and uh, oversaturation of social media will actually mean people look at events for community and for information where they used to maybe do that through social media. So, I mean, obviously that means more business, but does that also mean new audiences potentially in this area where they used social media for those kind of things? Absolutely. And we will... The pandemic showed us um, and all the studies being published before the pandemic, we always thought events, um, people decide to go to an event or decide an event was worth going there because of the amazing content, um, the great venues, the amazing food and stuff. No, <laughs> people decide depending on serendipity, a word I actually didn't know existed before the pandemic. So people want to meet other people and uh, meeting other people, also people from the brand and meeting them and taking out of this more coincidental encounter something new, something that transforms them personally. And I believe this is the magic that we have to look into. And this is how we are also have to create like low threshold um, opportunities to really get together people. And this also pays into communities and all the opportunities that come up with this. Really interesting. So it's a, it's a kind of a, a prediction of the development. Now, I know you've been, you're, you're speaking at Eventec Live, I think tomorrow or the day after, right? So the next next few days will be in London. Um, you've always been very interested in technology. And I believe you also have an AI division now in, in Barcelona, right? Your AI studio. Tell us a little bit about your uh, look at how you see technology, because I know there's a number of agencies and destinations that sort of shied away from technology, particularly during the pandemic, but you didn't. You've always been very engaged with technology. Where did that start and how has it developed? Yeah, it's a bit because I'm a geek and I love new technologies and playing around with it. And um, especially if you're working on high profile projects, you need to make sure that whatever you're using there has been um, tested. Um, and an agile approach is there extremely helpful. So we basically put together a sandbox team um, and that we gathered from everyone who was skilled and wanted to work on this part. And um, for some reason, they didn't choose Wuppertal, Germany, but um, preferred to um, go to Barcelona instead. And this is where we put everyone together because there's so many developments. If you just take it from the graphical um, design momentum, you used to have 2D designers, 3D designers, and now you have AI designers that are creating pictures, that are creating cinematic um, photographs in just putting in text. And this is amazing capabilities there that um, will be the future in lots of parts.
Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So could you take me through an example? Because, I mean, I've experimented with MidJourney and other image creators. How are you using this for your work? The, um, um, we can, um, AI has so many fields that you can go into. We just, um, um, languages is one um, opportunity. Sustainability, bringing it together in these parts. Like an example, 85% of all the carbon footprint of an event is usually travel from the guests to the event and back. Now, um, the obvious solution is choosing the most optimized destination where the venue is, where everyone goes to. And therefore, we um, developed an AI technology as an API to Google Maps that um, when you just load up the 5,000 attendees, it gives you what the most optimized point on sustainable um, travel to and from the event would be. And so you have a basis for your decision. But the entire process from ChatGPT helping you in project management phases, creating a whole new workflow to um, visualization. Um, you can from simple mood boards to creating stock pictures um, the exact way you like them, it is amazing what you can do there, but it takes some time until you get into it. And um, there are so many moments like um, being on a call right now, I could have the AI focus my eyes on the camera all the time and make it a lot more engaging than me just um, speaking in these parts. And I have uh, lots of friends who keep asking me, what is, um, but how could I use AI? Um, there is one very simple thing. After you started doing this at home, if you have little kids, my recommendation, start with Midjourney or take Dali E or any other um, um, text to picture um, program and pick a free one and start doing coloring pages for your kids. And I'm doing this with my little daughter and she just tells me she wants a ferry there, a mermaid and a bus and a castle and a submarine. And then you just um, put this in and you create a coloring picture exactly up to the needs of the kid. And this is amazing after you experience with this, seeing the potential that comes out of it. Absolutely. I've been experimenting with quite a few of the image generation and, and even the video text to video, I think is, is really fascinating as kind of the next level. But how are your clients um, receiving this? Because assuming that you're using it at different stages of the projects, uh, you know, to visualize, to create the graphics, etc. Do they, do they know it's AI? Do they question it? How is that kind of interaction happening with clients? No, we are um, very transparent about it. So, for example, we just launched an AI hotline for an event because the client, it's an event 
um, happening in a few weeks and with 7,000 people. And um, the hotline is an AI hotline where you just dial up and then um, 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 a virtual character says, hi, I'm Chrissy, um, your event hotline, ask me whatever question you like. And we can cover 95% of all the questions of this hotline. And it's not this boring if you want to do this press one or two or whatever. It, it really works and it saves so much time. So therefore clients love it. Also simple things like um, having the first draft for um, a safe the date. You just load up the last 10 save the dates and you get a um, 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 you get a pre-written document that um, makes it a lot faster to go into that and change it um, instead of starting out from scratch. So I believe AI and um, together with our clients makes it um, more productive, faster, um, um, and more creative. And by the end of the day, it makes it more fun because AI is usually killing the processes that are extremely time consuming and not much fun. And therefore, I do believe that AI will come into every part of the workflow of an event manager in the future. Yeah, I tend to agree. Going back to your point about not bidding for projects, do you see an AI doing your bids for you? Um, there are actually some cool tools um, like Toma AI that prepares the entire PowerPoint for you. Um, but um, the situation we are having as of now, I don't th see this really is happening. Um, but we do, um, of course, the AI needs to get their knowledge from somewhere. So the um, like Chef GPT basically crawled the web and this is the body of knowledge that it's referring to, to bring something together. So what we see the future is we need to create an AI that is the event guest. And I believe we will be seeing a lot more robots in the audience in the future monitoring what is happening up on stage, but what is also happening around and how the people are feeling, what their emotions are and how to create them. And I believe we will be learning a lot more how to um, create events that are truly engaging and get people to do whatever our task was for them to do after the event. Very interesting. What about the metaverse? Are you a believer or do you think it's something that's not really going to work for events? And I mean, the metaverse is <laughs> in kind of VR, you know, with goggles or however it works out. Yeah, this is exactly what you're um, um, what you're saying. I'm a true believer of the metaverse, and I'm absolutely positive the metaverse is going to be the future of hybrid events. And no matter if we call it metaverse or spatial computing or AR, VR, XR, or whatever, there we are still missing a certain technology trigger because the glasses right now are still a bit brick-like you put in front of your face. And if you have a brick in front of your face, that is not engaging for conversations with someone else who has a brick in front of their face. But Apple with the um, um, Vision Pro coming out next year, 
I'm absolutely believing that they will change the industry. They brought us the smartphone and the watch. And if you think about it, the smartwatch also evolved in these parts. And as of now, I'm not using the iPhone number one anymore. And it became a lot more slicker and better. And I believe at a certain point, we have prescription lenses um, on normal glasses that help you to experience the real world and a virtual world at the same time. And this will create true hybrid events, what we are looking for. So you're, you're suggesting the experience would be more of an augmented reality, but very engaged with the events and the programming and everything, the networking around you will be more of a augmentation to what you're experiencing rather than an escape is kind of what I'm saying. Absolutely. I believe it is only the solution in bringing it together into a live setting where people can attend um, virtually as well. And this will get closing the gap between digital and live events. It will never get as good as a true live event. And this is why all of also all of you listeners are definitely in the right industry because um, due to the campfire gene live events will always be um, the master discipline and um, like in the beginning of mankind we were all drawn to the campfire and this campfire gene is in all of us so i believe live events will always be there and become even more important so you mentioned um, your consultancy company. We mentioned your Barcelona design studio. And I know that in the Vokdams group, you actually have a number of different companies, right? A number. How many in total do you have at the moment? 16. <laughs> okay. And is it a nor? Because I believe, at least with Mr. Wolf Consulting, it's a, it's a sort of pilot project in a way where you partner and it's a separate company and you're a... You're a part owner, I guess, of the company, right? Is that how you run all of them or is that a specific kind of situation there? Yes, we do um, have like a partner setup and usually um, 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 people we're working together um, with and they want to become self-employed, then we open up a company together if we have a working business model. Here as an example, Mr. Wolf is... Um, not sure if you know where Mr. Wolf comes from. Um, 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 Pulp Fiction. There, at some point when they had an yes. um, unfortunate accident, you may remember they called up um, Mr. Wolf to fix it, and he um, answered the call with like, "I'm 40 minutes away. I'll be there in 20." And this is um, mission-driven marketing consultancy, very much based on life experiences, and this is because we've had the experience that a lot of our clients do need consulting services. And sometimes it makes more sense to have a different entity take care of the consulting services than the event production. And this is why we separated um, um, this, which used to be a former in-house unit and made an entire team out of it. So, and they have their own offices in Berlin, our um, um, AI studio in Barcelona just opened a few weeks ago. We do have um, 42 Incentive, a company um, 
mainly based on travel incentive programs and 42 base <laughs> comes from the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you can tell that i've been um, reading some nerdy stuff when i was little but um and this is where the 42 name comes from and then we have um, um a few other companies that like ce and co which is basically um, um on 3d creation and on event creation very much focusing so um fascinating um, but i think you have in total about 300 people that work under you is that number about accurate yeah <laughs> yeah but is this kind of structure a almost a prerequisite for having a company that big but being able to sleep at night yeah, man, we are very, uh, um, I like the agile approach. When I joined the company 27 years, youngest in the company, and um, therefore, I, at this time, I called it decentralized context management. And then we just started out opening um, different offices in China, the US, uh, Middle East, and um, other parts of the world. But um, we basically um, um, start doing stuff together with an amazing team. And if we have team members that have an idea and want to create um, a company out of it, then we usually do this. I, I love the entrepreneurial spirit there when you're kind of yeah, welcome to work with other people, but have create their own entities. I think that's really welcoming. But tell me a little bit about China. I mean, obviously, that's somewhere you were there very early. I think you're going to celebrate your 20th anniversary. I think I saw a post about that recently. You were there very early. I'm sure that's gone through lots of different developments. Could you just take us through a little bit of that journey and what yeah. it looks like today? We were actually one of the or the first Western agency um, in China. And um, right after the, um, basically, it also happened with a client. Um, more and more clients asked us um, to help with projects in China, mainly automotive industry. And um, so our team then stayed in China for one project and then did another project. And after a while, um, we had a team in China um, staying for, for months at a time that we figured, let's do, um, um, let's start out there. Then we started out with a joint venture in the beginning, but then experienced um, for our mainly Western customers, it um, was more important um, 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 to have a purely Western agency at this time. But then um, in the last 20 years, it changed that we have um, mainly um, a complete Chinese team now, and we're working for more and more Chinese brands in China or for Chinese brands entering the European or the American market. So the market totally changed, but I'm a huge fan of China and it's an amazing market. Fascinating how it's become, yeah, also a, a place to get clients, not just deliver events for uh, Western clients, etc. Really interesting. I also read recently that you got your ISO 21. 2112 or 21, the sustainability certification, right? And you mentioned this before, this is quite an important thing for you. Yeah, um, especially in the European Union, we have the um, Supply Chain Due Diligence Act um, coming where every company has to fulfill um, certain um, 
uh, or has to make sure that their supply chain um, um, is sustainable. And how do you do this to make sure that your supply chain is sustainable um, if you are um, sourcing um, large events? And therefore, the ISO 2121 is extremely helpful because it's an international standard for sustainable event management and gives the client a peace of mind that they can tick the box that um, their agency, also with all the third parties, are fulfilling what they are requested to fulfill in the supply chain due diligence. Excellent. I think you're you're getting ahead of the curve there when it comes to sustainability. So uh, so very commendable. So I want to kind of go a little bit more big picture now. Um, I want to talk a little bit about challenges in the industry and kind of big picture challenges. Uh, if you had to pick uh, kind of a big challenge that's coming up ahead that you're getting ready for that you're preparing at at a high level, would that be sustainability or are there other challenges that you're kind of focused on right now? We actually, I believe there are two challenges. Um, one is sustainability for sure. And the other one is the digital transformation. And both challenges um, are never gonna peak. So we started out with sustainability 20 years ago, we created the first CO2 footprint calculator online where you could roughly calculate the CO2 footprint of your event. So therefore, these both also go hand in hand. And um, this is, I believe, the challenge of the future to see where do the new technologies help us to be creating even more sustainable events for the future. And these are the two major streams that we allocate manpower on to work on and to find new solutions for the future. Interesting. I, I find it interesting that you combine those two and that you see those as, as sort of part of the same issue, I guess, or, or kind of complementary issues. What about, you know, things that you'd like to see changed in the industry? Uh, I, I asked this question with a little bit of a joke, but if you had a, a magic wand and if you could wave your magic wand and somebody would, something would just change, uh, maybe a system, a process or anything that you see as a barrier in the industry, what would you, what would you change? What would your wish be? Uh, this is an interesting question. I usually, um, I'm pretty happy with the industry, how it's running um, this part. And I also like the transparency and the teamwork we are having with lots of other partners from third party suppliers to even competitor agencies. And I believe this is what totally changed. So already my wish came true during the pandemic. It moved us all closer together. There's no, um, every single day I do get a call from um, a former competitor or someone who says, I'm doing something in China. Can we work together? And um, this is extremely um, going well right now. So we are working together on eye level or sometimes even as a subcontractor for other agencies that would have never happened before. So I honestly have to say my wish already has come true. I like it. We're, we're making wishes or the industry's making wishes for you come true. It's excellent. What about the future events? We've touched on this a little bit, but do you think that events will look very different in, in let's say five years time or something like that? I believe that events will change. And um, right now with the post-pandemic situation, we still have the issue that um, 
everyone internally of a company wants to put their content out there. And therefore, a lot of times, um, events are packed with content. And people are not given the opportunity to really have these serendipity moments. But I do believe we will come into a new um, feeling that having time at an event is a luxury. And this is a luxury that I, as a brand, inviting guests to my event, I'm willing to give. And therefore, I do believe that we do see events in the future where we get the frame, but which are not packed with content, but are really giving the opportunity to have these serendipity moments. And I believe this is going to be the major change we are going to see in the future. Could you... Do you have a vision for what that looks like? Is that sort of like an unconference kind of situation where people are given more choice? Is it more about giving people free time? How does that play out in your mind? I believe it's all of the above. So there will be moments where you love to attend some session where you just sit down and relax and watch what's happening there. It will go to an extent to a corporate festival feeling where you just pick and choose um, your content. But it will also be that um, um, having a conversation will not be just in the coffee break or that we are um, creating coffee breaks that really give me an opportunity to talk to other people than just to get my caffeine intake taken care of. So really maximizing those those moments to, to get those moments of serendipity or to, to generate moments of serendipity. Okay, last question I have for you is really about the future generations or the future talent in the industry, right? I think there's... I don't know if you're sensing this, but there's a bit of a gap. It's hard to attract young people into the industry. So it's a sort of a two-part question. Any advice on how to attract people, but also any advice to young people who are interested in the industry and want to kind of grow their career and build their reputation? I believe this gap is right now in every industry, um, no matter where you go. Um, my tip is, I mean, um, um, or what we can do also as an agency, we are trying to speak at universities, are supporting young people with internships and their first steps, or also taking part in an interview for their bachelor or master thesis and like this. And I believe that um, the magic we are all feeling, if you convey this and again, just um, bring it to um, students or people of every age, then we will have no problem in gathering enough um, people being born into this industry. Love that idea of people being born into it. And when people are in the industry, let's say young professionals, What's your advice for them to develop their career, you know, to look to the future and kind of aim high? I believe it's um, get into the industry as fast as possible. You also uh, don't just go to university or um, um, to college, school or whatever and focus just on the learning. Get into it hands on because this is where the magic is happening. And we do have programs where um, students can work part time and enjoy working in the um agency even during their studies and most of these people um 
this is actually where um, our management team, most of them started out working um, at an agency and quite a few of them started out working at Fogdams even while they were going to university before looking for their first job and then you get the touch and feel and um, you also do see um, if this is right for you and then this is the best decision you can take. I like that you can see the the progression or how they've progressed and where they got in their career so I think that's an excellent example. Kalia, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope the uh, listeners also enjoyed the conversation. I want to ask you the last question that I ask all our guests, which is, could you recommend somebody else who we should interview on the podcast? Um, first um, of all, I thank you very much for having me here. Well, and I have to compliment you. This is by far the best well-prepared um, podcast I've been on for from you asking the questions. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, coming up with this question, um, whom I would recommend, um, I would go for Joe Pine. Um, Pine and Gilmore, um, many of you will remember, wrote the book, um, The Experience Economy, 20 some years back and um, he hit on even in this book that the next big thing after the experience economy is going to be the transformation economy and this is exactly what we are in right now and if you manage to get a hold of him this would be um, a podcast I'm looking very much forward to here. Excellent. We'll definitely look into it. And I know that a few people have recommended Joe Pine. So I will look and try to get him on the podcast. I've read the book and I am a fan of his work. So it would be great to have a conversation with him and explore those themes and, and what he's working on now, because I'm sure he's got some new ideas as well. So Collier, once again, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure uh, talking to you and good luck on your sessions at Event Tech Live. And I'm, I will see you there hopefully over the next few days. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to seeing you in London. 